Well, good morning and welcome to the Men's Leadership Network. Uh, welcome to everybody here in Franklin and everybody meeting in Cool Springs at Bricks and downtown Nashville at Flavor Catering. We're glad you're here today. Uh, before we get started, I want to remind everyone that after the interview, we'll have a time of questions. If, if you have any questions that you'd like to ask anytime during the interview, you can tweet those in. Uh, the Twitter handle is at leadership underscore net, or the email is questions at mensleadershipnetwork.com. So if you have any questions, get those to us, and we'll make sure we get them to Steve. This morning, uh, it's my privilege to introduce Steve Norris as our guest. After growing up in Brentwood, Steve attended uh, the Auburn University. After graduating from Auburn, he spent 20 years working as a healthcare consultant. During this time, he traveled the country managing large-scale revenue cycle improvement projects for some of the nation's most prestigious academic medical centers. In 2010, after the sale of the company that he helped build, Steve decided to get off the road and retired from the consulting world. It didn't take long for Steve to realize that retirement or not working wasn't going to be uh, in, in his future. And he quickly began to search for an organization to volunteer with. In 2013, he found the Why Build program, which is run by the National YMCA. That program focused on helping disadvantaged men find full-time employment in the construction industry. After a year of volunteering with Why Build, Steve learned that the program would be closing and refusing to give up on some of these men, he helped found a new organization to take over the program. In the summer of 2014, 413 Strong was founded, and Steve has been working as the president, board chair, and full-time volunteer ever since. Steve's wife is Missy. They live in Brentwood, and they have three boys, TJ, Jack, and Wilson. Please help me in giving a, a warm welcome to Steve Norris. Yeah, <laughs> Steve. Wow. Steve, this is great. Thanks so much for being here uh, this morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, I just yeah. wish I wasn't last. It's yeah. been, <laughs> the bar's been set high well, through the God series. Gracious. It's, we've had a great lineup this year. Just hearing, man, I've been challenged, you know, in my own personal uh, walk with the Lord, my personal as a husband, as a father, and just in my own leadership. And so it's been a great semester. Yes. So, Steve, tell us a little bit about, we heard a little bit, but your family, and tell us about your career, um, kind of leading up to all that God's been doing in your life sure. since. Sure, yeah. Uh, you know, as Thomas said, grew up in Brentwood, went to Brentwood High, uh, went to Auburn University, um, right out of school, married my high school sweetheart, Missy. Yeah. Uh, this year we're going to be celebrating 25 years together, so, um, go. you know, talk about marrying up, I did a great job there. Uh, we've got three kids, uh, one of them is sitting right down here, Wilson, um, he's going to be graduating from MBA here in a couple weeks. I've got TJ who is a, uh, finishing up his sophomore year at the University of Denver, and then Jack is a seventh grader at uh, Franklin Road Academy. So. A great family. Um, very, very blessed to have have uh, those guys around me. You so. are, you are. Hey, well, tell us about, you know, we heard a little bit about, I don't even understand the whole revenue from, you know, <laughs> hospitals and all around the country and the traveling, but tell us about your career in the business world days. And yeah. Kind of what you did. So, you know, when I graduated from Auburn, um, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I took a job with Anderson Consulting, which nowadays is known as Accenture. But, you know, a big consulting company. And I got, uh, while working with them, I got involved in healthcare and found out that I really liked it. You know, there's something about the whole process of healthcare. It's, it's big and it's complicated and it was broken. Um, so I, I thought, what a great place to be. Um, so I did some work with, uh, with hospitals through Anderson Consulting, and an opportunity came up to join a small startup company uh, after about four years of being with, with Anderson Consulting. 
Um, so I moved over and uh, joined this small little company. Um, and the thing that was unique about this company is uh, we were kind of pioneers in the um, at-risk model of doing revenue cycle work. You know, so what that means is we'd go to a hospital and we'd tell them, hey, we think we can drive financial improvements in your organization. We can make some process changes that will help you earn and collect more money. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to work for free. And all you have to do is give us a portion of the savings that we generate for you. So if I save you a dollar, or I help you collect a new dollar, you just have to give me some of that. And if I can't do that, you don't have to pay me. All right, so we were, we were early on in that model, and um, they loved it. You know, it was easy to sell work that way, and uh, we were able to, to sell that work. And so we started off as a small company, um, and you know, it, was, it was fun because we all came from Anderson Consulting. All right, the, the whole start of the company came from Anderson, so we shared that work, uh, kind of work mentality. Um, and we built that company with you know, two things being critical to us, um, integrity and quality. And so we grew in a way where we could maintain both. And um, it was just amazing how, how that company took off. Um, I, mean, I remember we were going and talk to some of the biggest hospitals in the country. And here we are, the little guys, you know, the Dave, David and Goliath. And we were somewhat arrogant looking back on it. But we were able to, to negotiate the terms we wanted. Um, and if we couldn't have the contract in the way that we thought protected us, uh, we would walk away. And if you, you know, have ever walked away from, you know, the, the leaders in the industry, um, you, you, that doesn't happen very often. These guys would come back like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, maybe we can meet your terms. And so we were able to do projects on our terms. And, you know, we were just very, very fortunate in the professional services business, we were sold out. You know, we had a waiting list of clients that wanted us to work. So, um, you know, it was, it was a great time. It was a lot of fun to be part of that, that company. Um, you know, but the biggest drawback was the travel. Mm. You know, doing, doing this work required to be on the ground. And when you have a hospital who's paying millions of dollars for an improvement project, they expect to see people there uh, working. And so I was, you know, traveling for four or five days a week um, the entire time that I was, was part of the company. So that was the hardest part. Yeah. But the company grew. Oh, wow. the company. Uh, when I started, um, there were 12 people in the company. Um, I was the 12th employee. Our paychecks came um, handwritten out of the uh, founder's checkbook. Um, so, you know, there, there was no payroll department. In fact, there's no department. I and mean, the company's called Stock Camp and Associates. Dale Stock Camp was the founder, and we were the associates. You know, there's 12 of us running around trying to do this work. Um, you know, it, after 16 years, when we sold the company, we'd grown into a $100 million a year business, had 450 employees. So it was amazing to see how, how that company just took off. Wow. So how did you, in the business world days, how did, how did you define success? What did success look like for you personally? Oh, uh, it was, you know, really kind of boiled down to a couple of things, you know, growing people. Um, you know, as a company that was growing quickly and in the professional services business, we had no product other than the work that we did as individuals. And so we had to grow the people that we hired. Um, so we spent a lot of time investing in those people um, on the job training, basically creating your replacement. If you wanted to grow, you had to have someone step in behind you and take your place. Um, so uh, you know, one measure of success was how well are you attracting good people and then growing them. Um, you know, another one would be relationships. Um, again, because we weren't necessarily selling a product, but we were selling a service, relationships were huge. And as we got better in the industry and got recognized in the industry as being, um, you know, kind of top-notch, people wanted to come and, and take our people. Um, you know, competitors were out there trying to recruit away our folks. And so we kind of realized early on that we had to build relationships with those people. It wasn't enough to, to develop them, but we had to have a real relationship with them. 
because it's a lot harder to quit a relationship than a job. Mm-hmm. And so we were, we were constantly building relationships and trying to just create a family feeling. You know, we're in this together. We're working together doing this, uh, you know, this hard work for this hospital, but you know, let's, let's do it together. And we had a great retention rate. Um, you know, we kept people for, for years and years in the company. Um, and then the final would be um, project delivery. You know, we had to sell these big projects, which, you know, as I alluded to, wasn't that hard with our sales model. You know, you don't pay us, we don't do anything. Um, but then we had to deliver on what we sold, and that could be a little tough. But the hardest part sometimes was collecting the money. You know, we'd get to the end of the project, and we, of course, had to measure all the improvements that we put into place. And it just, it never ceased to amaze me. Here could be a hospital that has been struggling for the last you know, two years to uh, make ends meet. You know, cash flow is low, things aren't going the right way, there's a downward trend, and all of a sudden we come in and we put into place some improvements um, and we start managing the, the process a little bit differently and cash just starts to pour in. You know, there's just no denying, you know, record cash months. And so we sit down and say, okay, here's what we helped you do. To have the CFOs then say, well, you know, we were gonna do this one on our own, so I don't know if I wanna pay you for that one, or we maybe talked about this before, so I don't wanna give you full credit for that. You know, they became a little bit resistant, you know, and kind of looking back on it, it just, it, now I kind of chuckle, I was like, I wonder if that's how God feels, right? You know, it's because of the same business model that God gave us, you know? I can give you all this, and you, know, you just have to give me back 10%, you know? And I was asking for a lot more than 10%, so. It is funny, though, then we kind of go, oh, I'm not sure, yeah. you know? Yeah. Everything <laughs> changes when it yeah. gets in your hands. Yeah, it's amazing. So tell us, the company grew really fast, and then you came to selling the company and to retirement. Talk about that. Yeah. How old were you and all that happened? So I was, uh, I was 40 years old when we sold the company. Um, and then I stayed on for another two years to help with the transition to the, 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 uh, the company that bought us. Um, and at that point, you know, I, just, I knew I was done. It wasn't the same. It wasn't the same family feeling. Um, and just missing, I you know, sat down one day, it's like, we can't keep traveling. You know, the, the kids are getting older. Uh, my oldest was getting ready to start high school. It was like, time to get off the road. Mm. So I retired at 42. Um, and that, you know, that was interesting. Um, I had this great picture of what retirement was going to be, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody, everybody who works thinks about retirement. You know, it's kind of the goal that you work towards. And so, you know, in my mind, I was going to mountain bike and I was going to wakeboard and maybe pick up a couple new hobbies and start fishing and golfing and do all the things that retirement, you know, uh, you kind of dream about. Um, but it's just, it, it didn't really play out that way, you know? So, um, after being home for a little while, uh, you know, I guess about the first week was, was awesome. You know, kind of waking up in my own bed and not going to the airport and, and drinking coffee from my, you know, own coffee pot. Was, all that was awesome. But, you know, then after a while, I started going to my office every morning about eight o'clock. You know, just, I didn't know what else to do. So I went and sat at my desk in my office at home, kind of waiting for something to happen. You know, I'd tinker on some spreadsheets and I would look at some emails and kind of wait for the phone to ring. You know, nothing was going on there, but that just felt like where I needed to be. Um, so after a few weeks of doing that, I realized nothing was going to happen there. And I kind of looked up and looked around and um, you know, there's Missy doing some housework. So I've been observing this for a while and I thought, well, maybe, maybe I could, if there's some efficiencies that would be gained in the way that she's going about this. <laughs> so, um, you know, I offered some of my consulting advice that it didn't go over real well. But, you know, and I, she, she gave me, you know, she said a lot of very, very smart things along the years, but, but at that time she sat me down and was like, Steve, you can't manage the family like you manage a project. You've got to figure out what you're going to do. Um, so, you know, I just, I was restless. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I had, you know, by the world standard, I kind of made it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got there and was like, hollow, yeah. what am I going to do? 
Um, so it, it, was, it, it started off as a great idea and kind of ended up as, you know, yeah. just being a resting place for a second to try to figure out what am I going to do next. You know, I, I, I see that a lot. And, and, and you hear all these people live for retirement, especially men. We kind of think, man, retirement, then those are the golden years. But, but really, it's not living for retirement. It's living for Christ. Yeah. And it's living for heaven and for what God's doing. And there's a bigger picture at play. And God was obviously doing something bigger than you than just retirement. So yeah. tell us about that process then as you had this restlessness in your soul and spirit and then what happened from there? Sure. Um, well, you know, having the opportunity to work with these hospitals, you know, I traveled the country yeah. um, and had the opportunity to see a lot of different things. And when I was working in Philadelphia, um, I came across an organization that was working with single moms. And their, their whole goal was to help take a uh, mom who is on welfare and give her the tools and the training necessary to help her to become self-sufficient. And you know, one of the things that I loved about that was they had created um, what they called the, the continuum of self-sufficiency. And there was about, about 10 steps that they measured a uh, woman's progress on in helping her become fully independent in terms of, of how she's living. And something about that just really resonated with me. I don't know if it was you know, kind of the, the measurement side of this and you know, kind of tracking the progress or the idea of you know, really helping somebody uh, become completely free of, of welfare, um, but there's something about that stuck with me. So, um, you know, now that, that, that uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit restless and in retirement, I started thinking, okay, let me, let me see if I can't find something like that here in Nashville to get involved. So I had this idea mm-hmm. of wanting to create or help people find self-sufficiency. Um, so I set about going, going to find an organization that was doing that, um, and I wanted to plug in. And so I started looking and um, couldn't find one. You know, I didn't find what I was looking for in terms of someone who was really investing in the self-sufficiency. And people were doing different, different pieces of it, but nobody was attacking it as a whole. Um, so then I decided, well, maybe I had to reach out to some of these organizations and try to sell my idea. You know, they're already doing some of it, but maybe I can come in and do, you know, help them, them do something more, more complete like what I saw in Philadelphia. So I started making phone calls and sending out emails. Um, and the emails went something like this, you know, I've got, I've got time and I've got money, you know, and I've got this idea. And I would like to come in and, and share all of those. Um, and the responses, if I got a response at all, um, we're all kind of the same. It's like, well, we can have our development director reach out to you because we'd love to have your money. Um, and if you want to volunteer, that's fine. But, you know, we kind of got our programming figured out. And we don't want those ideas. Um, so, you know, now I was kind of, you know, scratching my head again. So, well, you know, what am I going to do? Because this, this feeling has just kind of come up now and it's not going to go away. You know, it's, it's just there. And so... Um, you know, I'm just, I know I don't want to start my own organization. I don't know anything about nonprofit work. Um, I wanted to volunteer. You know, I wanted to do it on my terms. I wanted to show up, uh, work when I wanted to work and, and go away. Um, but I just, I couldn't find it. It just kind of, just a matter of chance. I happened to have a conversation with a father of someone um, in, in uh, Jack's school. And I didn't know him that well, um, but, but we just had this conversation, and I opened up to him about this stuff and said, you know, if, you know here's what I'm looking for, because he was asking, you're retired. <laughs> what are you doing? And of course, and I, just kind of an awkward conversation, you know, I'm 42, I'm not doing anything, I'm just hanging out. Um, so I, you know, quickly launched into, well, here's what I'm trying to do. And so he called me about three weeks later um, and said, guess what, I think I just found the organization you were telling me about. You know, I was at this fundraising breakfast for a program called Why Build, and it sounds a lot like what you said you wanted to do. Um, can I introduce you? So he introduced me to um, the folks that were involved with the Why Build program, and instantly I knew, okay, there's enough here that looks like what I was looking for, that this is the fit, and it just felt right. 
So I started volunteering with them, um, ended up being on the, the strategic planning committee, I was on the finance committee, I was hanging out on the campus, you know, spending time with the guys, and all of a sudden that restless feeling was, was going away. You know, I didn't have a very good picture of what this was going to turn into, but I knew I was kind of at the right place at the right time. So that's how I got involved with, with Y-Build. Um, yeah, and then it seemed like you were getting involved there, you were getting involved at church, and you, know, you were seeing some things happening in your life, and then there came that moment when Y-Build was going to go away. Yep. And tell, talk about that, because I think there was a stirring in your spirit to say, what's going on? And you didn't know exactly what to do from there, but right. God was speaking to you at that point. Yeah, that's right. You know, you know it, it felt right to be at, at Y-Build. Mm -hmm. um, and so when the YMCA announced that they were, were going to stop funding the project um, or the program, uh, you know, I just was trying to figure out, you know, am I at the right place? Am I doing the right things? And I just, I knew I was, so I couldn't figure out why is this going away? Um, you know, so I started, started praying, um, and it, it, I started praying in a way differently than I had been praying before, right? And, and the prayer was more, you know, instead of, you know, thank you, God, for my family, thank you, God, for the trees, and thank you, God, for the birds, and, and all that, it was, you know, all right, God, you know, here I am. It was, it was a lot like the, the letters that I had written to the nonprofits. God, you blessed me with time and money. How do you want me to use it? What do you want me to do? You know, I, I don't know. Um, you know, and, and by the way, God, don't be subtle, you know. If you want me to do something, let me know. You know, make it clear. Um, and so, I mean, I, I remember I've been, been praying that, and, and this was the same time we were going through next steps, right? And so every Sunday I'm showing up and you're going, what's your next step going to be? What are you going to do? <laughs> and so, and then I go home and I'm, I start, well, maybe I ought to pray this prayer. So I'm praying that. And I mean, I, I was on a dog walk. I was walking my dog. I remember exactly where I was. And then all of a sudden it's like the fog cleared. It's like, all right, I know what I'm doing. You know, we've got to take this over. We can't let this program end. Mm -hmm. And from the minute that happened, until the program was, you know, we had incorporated and we were actually moving forward, everything just fell into place in amazing ways, you know. And, you know, Nick talked last week about uh, being ill-equipped Ill and ill-prepared and incompetent. I, that was me. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but I knew that this is where God was pushing me. And I knew all I had to do was, was follow and be faithful and that things were going to fall into place. And it, it did. And talk to us about that, Steve, because you stepped in, even though the program was going away and not being funded anymore, and you took it over, and yeah. you rebranded it, and talk about what it is now and what it's become. Yeah, sure. I mean, so, real quick on the, the rebranding, and here we are, I just made this, you know, decision, okay, sure, I, I can do this, I I'll, don't know what it entails, but, you know, we don't have a name, we don't have, you know, we don't have any funding, you know, we don't have, we don't have anything, you know, we're nothing but an idea. And a big uh, God. <laughs> and, and a huge God. You know, and, and so now my prayer has, has shifted from, you know, God, what do you want me to do? It's like, God, how do you want me to do it? Yeah. You know, what am I going to do now? Um, you know, please bring me the right people, bring me the right resources, you know, kind of, let me, I get a phone call from, from a guy who um, is you know, involved with a PR company here in town. And, you know, I figured, you know, oh, here it comes. You know, they're coming out of the woodwork. Here's a new organization, and they want to, you know, they want to get their hands in my pocket. It's like, I don't even have any money. I don't know what I'm doing. And he asked, started asking me this question. What's your new name going to be? You know, what's your go-to-market strategy? What are you going to... It's like, I don't know. He's like, well, why don't you come in and talk to me? I've got some ideas. And I kept thinking, you know, he just, he wants money, and we don't have any. So I go in and talk to him, and it turns out he wants to do it all for free. Let me help you out. I, I, I know why, Bill, and I love what they're doing. I want to be a part of this new thing. 
And so, you know, this is a big-time firm in downtown Nashville that, you know, does work with the Titans and the Predators and Bridge. I mean, they do big, big stuff. And so he invites me to a meeting, and I walk in, and he's got 12 of his people sitting around the table saying, how can we help? And so from that minute forward, you know, they've been with us every step of the way. They've helped us come up with our name and our branding and our materials. Um, you know, that's God. That is God. So, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Tell us about the name and then tell us what you're yeah. doing. So, you know, 413 Strong, you know, based on Philippians 413, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, and that's, that's what we want our guys to know. You know, the, the guys that we're dealing with, um, they're full of a lot of doubt. Mm. Um, they won't admit it, but they, they basically have, have lost hope. That's the, that's the biggest problem. They've grown up on the streets. Um, they've gotten involved in some, some bad things. They've done some bad things. Um, and a lot of these guys think it's over. You know, based on what I've done, there's not, there's not hope for me. Um, and what we want them to know is, you know, that's not true. You know, it, it's, it's not over. It's just beginning. You can, you can walk away from your past if you really want to. And if you, if you trust in Christ and you follow God, you got this. How many guys are in the program and what, is, what, what are you doing? Yeah, so, so we're set up to be able to handle um, four classes a year, and each class can have up to 15 guys. So if we're running at full capacity, we can handle 60 guys. Um, we're not at full capacity. We've got three classes going right now, and we have about 35 guys on campus between those three classes. Um, so it's, uh, it's a busy time, but it's, um, it's, it's good. It's really good. And they come in and... Are they, is there like an interview process yeah. or how are they yeah. chosen to be able to so come and live? So we, we run a mental, we, what we call mental toughness week. It's tryouts, all right? We're, we're looking for guys that are um, really interested in making a change. Mm -hmm. They're committed to making a change. Um, so we run them through mental toughness week. You know, it's, it's, and it's a hard week. They work out for three hours in the morning and they do group exercises in the afternoon. Um, stuff they don't want to do, uh, but we're, we're pushing them. Who's going who's gonna to do it? Um, and so by the end of that week on Friday afternoon, we've made our selections. Who's going to join the program and who's not ready? Um, for those that we select, um, they've got about 48 hours to get whatever affairs they have, which really isn't much, in order and report to campus. Um, and they move in then that Sunday afternoon. And uh, Monday morning at uh, 6 a.m., we start what we call the 40-day challenge. It may sound, sound familiar. Um, but, you know, for 40 days, these guys are, you know, they call it lockdown. Um, they don't get to move. They don't get to go anywhere uh, without us. Um, they're on a very strict schedule. You know, we have every minute of every hour of every day planned for them. And we're working on basically trying to put some distance between where they came from and where we're trying to go. Um, so their day is now full of working out. Um, they're in the classroom learning financial literacy, uh, job, you know, kind of work skills. You know, how do you be an employee? Um, they're learning construction skills because we are going to get them a job at the construction industry, and we're doing Bible study with them, um, just trying to pour into them. Um, we're, we're, we've reached out, and we invite men from all over the community, just come. Just come and spend time with our guys. Show them what it means to be a man because they don't know. Mm. And so, we've, I mean, it's just it's fun to be on the campus because you have people showing up all the time just to be with the, these guys. Wow. Tell us about, tell us some stories. Tell us about <laughs> some of your guys. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's... It's fun to talk about it, but to be honest, it, sometimes it's hard. Yeah. Because, you know, there's not a straight line for any of these guys. It's four steps forward, 50 steps sideways, and three steps back. I mean, it's not a straight path. Um, and every guy brings a lot of baggage with him of some kind or another. But, you know, just, just last night I was on campus and I was getting ready to leave, and um, Lamar it was just walking in from work. Um, and I just, I love Lamar. He, he's joined the program. He was part of our January class. So he's been on campus now for four and a half months. Uh, when he got to campus, he had nothing, nothing. 
He had no family. He had no friends, um, sort of speak of. I mean, of course, he knew people, but, but no friends that supported him. Um, no job, no driver's license. He'd lost that. Um, you know, he showed up with a, a uh, trash bag with a couple shirts. You know, that was it. He had nothing. And, you know, he's 31 years old, and he's like, this is my last chance. He's like, I've tried everything else, and if this doesn't work for me, you know, I'm dead, literally. You know, I'm back on the streets, and I'm getting too old to be out there, and I don't want to do that anymore. And so he worked so hard through that program. He's, you know, a little bit older than some of the other guys. Middle Toughness Week, there's Lamar, giving it everything he's got, encouraging the younger guys who are, you know, trying to give up. It's like, don't give up on this. I'm telling you, there's nothing out there for you. All right, so here's Lamar. You know, now fast forward through the 40-day challenge. He did awesome, um, and he's working. And he was coming home from work last night. This was about 8 o'clock, so he'd been working uh, long, and he was walking, and he was tired. And you could just tell, just by the way he was walking, he was tired. He saw me, he just lit up. Like, Steve. He's <laughs> like, hey, Lamar. He's like, how's it going? He's like, I'm tired, but I'm working. All right, so I'm going to tell you about a story about Lamar. He's doing so well at his job. Um, he's already gotten two pay raises, um, and they've kind of put him on a fast track for being a supervisor. And uh, Lamar's worked hard to get his driver's license back, right? You, you, in Tennessee, when you get, in, get yourself in trouble, you lose your driver's license, and you have to pay fees and fines to get that back. So he's worked to get his driver's license back, and he now has that. Well, the company told him they want him to get a commercial driver's license. And so he's now studying for his commercial driver's license. Um, but Lamar called me, this was about three weeks ago, um, and said, Steve, the next time you're on campus, I really need some help. So I'm like, well, I'm here now. You know, I was in one of the other buildings. I like, come over. What's going on? He's like, oh, thank you. So I walk in, and he's sitting at the table, and he has all these papers spread out, and he's just kind of shaking his head. I was like, what's going on? He's like, what's a 401k? I was like, really? He's like, well, let me tell you. Uh, so I mean, I'm telling him about this 401k. He's like, so they're going to give me even more money? So yeah, so here's Lamar, four and a half months into the program, got his driver's license, got pay raises, got a 401k. You know, and we were talking about that last night. I was like, Lamar, I'm going to talk about you tomorrow. He just smiled. He's like, you tell him how I'm doing, man. You tell him. <laughs> Steve, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, God does amazing things. Yeah. And I tell you, the, the success, the smallest success at 413 Strong and kind of working this way is so much sweeter than the biggest success in the professional world. Um, you know, watching these guys grow is amazing. It, but, you know, the flip side is too, you know, is, is true too. It, it hurts more too. Yeah. You know, the, the failure, seeing these guys not get it or fall off the path, it hurts more than, than anything that ever happened in, in the business world. Yeah. Well, ministry's messy, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's yeah. not just easy. It's just not, you know, it's, it's, being in people's lives and pouring into them and yeah. praying with them and watching them make good decisions, but also sometimes it's hard. It is hard. So how have you defined success now? You know, you define success one way in the business world, but how do you yeah. as a person now define success in your life? <laughs> um, a whole lot differently. I mean, some things are the same, you know, about building these relationships. Mm. You know, but, but for me now, you know, success is seeing a couple tough guys argue over who gets to say the prayer before dinner. You know, it's my turn. You know, let me say the prayer. Um, it, it's having, having a guy who's covered in, in gang-related tattoos come up to me after Bible study and is like, do you think you can help me get a Bible that I could read and understand? You know, I want to get more of this. You know, I want to be able to look at this and, um, you know, help me. Help me figure this out. Or, 
or having guys open up in the Bible study. I mean, Jeff, this, this was just amazing to me. We were sitting there, and we were talking about, you know, forgiveness. You know, you know God's, God's going to forgive you guys for, you know, it doesn't matter what you've done. You know, we can go forward, and you've got a clean slate. Um, just, we'll never forget this. This guy's like, I just don't get it. It's like, how can that be? He's like, I, I understand forgiveness if I stole a pencil. But the stuff that I've done, like, I can't forgive myself. You know, how can there be a God that can forgive me for that? He's like, it's over. He's like, I've screwed up beyond the point of forgiveness, and, you know, why do I even bother with this stuff now? Um, I mean, seeing him open up like that and let us actually have conversations with him and help him realize that, yeah, you know, there is an opportunity and see these guys get it, to have, see them see hope, yeah. that is success. Um, I got a phone call on Sunday, um, or it was Saturday, from one of the toughest, more, most ruthless gang members that has ever come through our program. Mm. Called me to let me know, well, his son has just been born. He called me from the hospital and wanted to call and say thank you for 413 Strong and showing him what it meant to be a man. Because when he found out his girlfriend was pregnant, he wanted to take off. But he realized that wasn't what a man would do. And so he stayed there um, because he wanted to be a dad. And he wants to marry this woman and make a family. Um, and he wanted me to know that he named his son after Richard, who's one of our staff members um, that, that he lived with um, for the 40-day challenge. And uh, basically was the only father that he'd ever had. That's success. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> um, wow. What would you say to a younger version of you? If you? Where you are today and what you've seen God do, what would you say to a younger version of you? Don't try to re-engineer housework. <laughs> uh, just, just let that one go. Um, I, I would say, you know, the world's going to try to convince you that there's a version of success out there that you need to go for at all costs. And that's just not true. Don't fall into that trap. And if you happen to get there, you may find out that you've wasted a lot of time and energy and maybe even relationships to get to something that's a hollow victory. So don't fall into that um, because the world's going to try to convince you otherwise. Yeah. Well, Steve, what do you want your legacy to be? I don't, I, you know, I struggle with this one, um, and maybe this is too simple, but I, I mean, I've, I think I want to be a godly man. You know, I, I want, I want to, people to know that I love Jesus, and I'm trying to love like Jesus, and I think if I do that, everything else just falls into place. Um, you know, I become the husband, that, you know, I've I got a lot of work to do, but, you know, I become the husband that, that I need to be, and the father that I need to be for my kids. And, you know, how I spend my time becomes an example for them and for, for others. And uh, what I'm finding is loving these guys that are coming through the program. Um, it's just the relationship that, that I develop with them, they're hungry for this. Um, you know, going back to Lamar, one of the things that he said early on in the program is like, I've never been around so many happy people. You know, I didn't, I didn't know that, that people could be happy, you know, that there, there could be joy in I think that's what I want my legacy to be. That's awesome. Uh, give us two takeaways, two things as we as spiritual leaders, as men, as husbands, fathers, as 
Uh, give us two takeaways. Yeah, I would say one, uh, if you want to be part of what God's doing, be proactive. Mm. Right? Don't sit and wait for it. You know, it, it's like at work. You know, if you've got a project that you need to get done and you need some help, you're going to go to somebody that you know is a good worker. They're proactive, right? And it's the same thing. If you want to be involved in what God's doing, don't sit and wait. Be proactive. Be preparing yourself. Spend time in Scripture. Spend time praying. Surround yourself with godly people and just get ready. You know, get ready for them to call you. Um, and I would say, second, don't ignore that, that uh, restless feeling. Don't ignore that nudge. Um, it's there for a reason. You know, pursue it and just hold on <laughs> because once you start following and being obedient, um, there's no telling what's going to happen. Yeah. And I, I love that because what we don't think about a lot, but, but your obedience impacts so many others, right? Yeah. And it impacts um, guys like this. You brought me some letters today from, from the guys as uh, many of our A6 guys collected clothes and took it down and uh, just to give them clothes for interviews and everything else. And, and reading through these letters and, and many of them just said, I want to thank Mr. Steve and, and I want to thank the church. And, um, but your obedience, and you didn't have a clue. You didn't even know Lamar. You didn't know this PR firm. You didn't, but your obedience impacted so many others. Right. And so that's, that's amazing. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. It is fun. So I love what God does. Hey, we, do we have time for a couple of questions? Thomas, you want to? Yeah, Steve, uh, the first one today is, uh, you, you spoke a little bit on this, but if you just, just expound on it a little bit. What have you learned about leadership through this process? Hmm. Um, I've learned that I don't have all the answers, um, and that when I think I do, it's probably an indication that I have drifted away from God. And so, um, when I find myself feeling confident, uh, that's now become a really clear reminder to me that it's time to get back on my knees um, and make sure that, that I'm following God and that, that I'm trusting in Him and not in myself. Um, so, yeah, uh, this has been a, I spent my working career thinking that I was a great leader. Um, and now I'm realizing that, that there's a much better way to lead. <laughs> that dependency on the Lord, I mean, that, you're exactly right. You know, a lot of times you, you think you're doing it and you forget about God. Yeah. And uh, just being dependent on Him is, is really where you see your faith grow, but you see God do what only God can do. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Good. Steve. Uh... Good one here. Um, how can guys that are listening this morning to your story support the 413 Strong Ministry? Oh, I don't know if we have time for this. Oh, here, here's the easy answer. Um, come by. Just get involved. Come and be, just come to the campus. Tell me you want to come and see this program. Um, we've got lots of opportunities for men to get involved. You know, I just, I need positive men to invest in these guys' lives. You know, two weeks ago, I took our guys canoeing. You know, it, um, it, it, it was just absolutely hilarious. You know, here, here it is me and a whole bunch of guys who, who have never been in a canoe um, and don't know that they want to do it going down the Harpeth River. Um, we made so much noise um, going down that river. But the bonding that came out of that, um, the experience they have, I mean, they still laugh and joke about the canoe. There's no reason we couldn't take taken 
you know, 30 canoes down the river. You know, we can have guys show up. I'm going to take them. Um, we're going to go hiking here in a couple weeks. Uh, they they want to go see a waterfall. You know, they decided we've never seen a waterfall. So we're going to go out and, and uh, we're going to go look at a waterfall. You know, that's a great opportunity for guys to get involved. We do what we call lunch and learns on Fridays. Um, and we just invite men to come and share their story um, and plug in with the guys. We do Wednesday night dinners where, um, you know, small groups or, uh, you know, men from the community bring in their families and eating dinner with the guys. Um, lots of ways to get plugged in, but it's, it's really, it starts with just showing up. And I, I, I'm telling you, coming to the campus, don't come unless you want to be involved because it just, you'll get hooked. Um, you meet these guys, you see what God's doing. Um, you just want to be a part of it. I love that. And I've loved watching uh, other people like that get hooked, yeah. you know, and just seeing people jump in and, and uh, embrace these men and, and walk alongside them. And uh, that, that's exciting, yeah, it's, you know. It's amazing. So it goes back to those two takeaways you were talking about, being proactive. You know, yeah. don't, don't just sit back. Get involved. Right. So I think we got time for one more. Do you have one more? Yeah, and Steve, I'd say uh, we'll make a note in our rewind email to make sure that we have a link to your website and some contact information. So, guys, if you're watching this and you want contact information, just look for that rewind email, uh, or we'll, we'll make sure you have some, some way to access that as well. Uh, last question here, Steve. How do you spend your – now that you spend your time pouring into other men, who mentors you, and can, can you speak to the importance of having a mentoring relationship? Hmm. Yeah. You know, it's um, going to sound a little bit strange, but there are guys coming through the program that, that I feel are mentoring me a little bit. You know, these guys have seen life from a totally different perspective. Um, and spending time with them is really changing the way that I see the world. Um, but yeah, you know, Mentoring for me, um, I, I need so much of it because I'm in such a different space than I've ever been in before. So, um, you know, I have found myself in, in different circles with different people um, that are all working to try to help these guys. Um, but, but mentoring is key. You know, it's key for them. It's key for me. Um, you know, it's not something that I don't think that we are proactive enough about, that we don't spend it as men. We don't often spend a lot of time seeking it. Um, but, you know, I, I have learned now through trial and error that you can't get by without it. Right. Well, it's so important. I mean, you know, like the Bible says, it's iron sharpens iron, so yeah. one man sharpens another. And, and just listening to you talk this morning about the importance, like Lamar, he didn't have anybody. You know, who do you go to? Um, you know, and, and you were telling me earlier about guys who thought, well, if I just keep having kids, I don't have to pay uh, any child support. Yeah. The more kids I have. And you're like what? You know, and there's one guy who's got 22 kids and yeah. it's like, wait a minute, you know, how does, nobody speaks into his life. Yeah. And so I think that was a great question to, you know, the power of mentoring in these guys' lives, but also in our lives, you know, that we don't become self-sufficient and we are always holding on to God. And, yeah. um, you know, and Steve, I just commend you on that because you've got, you've got a great marriage, you know, and Missy's fantastic. You've got great boys that you've been raising. You've got a community group that, surrounds you in a church that loves you and believes in you. Um, but by the grace of God, you're making a difference. And, uh, you know, I want to say thank you, but I think there's some other people that want to say thank you. So uh, why don't you watch this? How y'all doing? My name is Spencer Gibson. I've been in the 413 Strong program for a while now. I would just like to thank Steve for all he's done for me. He's, he, got a lot of, he got a lot of good people here helping him to help us succeed. And I feel, as a young man, that's what I need in life to do better. And he's helping me better myself with a lot of things. So, Steve, I'd just like to tell you thank you for all you've done for me.
Hello, my name is Dante Darden. I've been with 413 Strong for four months now. I would like to say thank you, thank you to Steve for teaching me about finance. And that um, from your finance class, I learned how to set goals for myself, learned how to save money and things. And I will never forget you, because every time I get a paycheck, I'm going to think about you, Steve. Thank you. Hey, how you doing? My name's John Huey, and I'd just like to thank Steve for everything he done done for me. I've been in 413 Strong for about a month now, and he helped me with my financial, get everything straight, and I just want to tell him it's a blessing to be here, and I thank you for everything he done did for me. Uh, I'm Marquise Miles, and uh, I've been a part of 413 Strong going on four months now. And uh, thanks to Steve, and I've been able to and save up for my first car pretty soon. Uh, he taught me and, uh, and had to, uh, it's called a sinking fund. And, uh, I pretty much put up enough sad money from each paycheck so I could be able to purchase my first car. And, uh, and thanks to Steve and his finance class, and I'll be able to do that pretty soon. Thank you, Steve. Oh, hey, hey, how you doing? Steve Norris, my guy, just want to tell you thank you so much. This is Howard Stevenson, one of the members of the 413 Strong Program. We want to thank you guys for everything you do for us. It's a, it's a, it's a very, 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 very blessing to be here. Um, I want to make, say a big thank you to Rolling Hills Church for the, the generous donation that you guys gave us. I got a hat on now. And you see the shirt, Amazon, I'm coming this year. Hey, do want to thank you so much. Missy, love you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Steve, that's awesome. That's awesome. Oh. These guys, they love you, and God's making a difference through you, and it's just exciting to see. <laughs> uh, I don't know how you did that. that was, <laughs> that's great. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Well, let me pray for us this morning. And uh, Father, thank you. Uh, thank you for Steve Norris. Thank you, Father, for his life, his ministry. Thank you for these men. Uh, God, at 413 Strong, and I pray you would bless them. I pray that you would strengthen them. God, give them a hope and a future, Father, uh, and do a great work through 413. God, and Father, I just thank you for Steve as a husband, as a father, as a man after your heart. And I pray, God, as he has challenged all of us, just even thinking about legacy, that we would be men after the heart of Christ, and that we would model Jesus in our homes and with our families, and then whatever you call us to, God, we would be obedient. Jesus, we love you. Thank you, Father, for this morning, for teaching me and challenging me, Father, and thank you for all that you do in our lives. We love you in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Wow. Well, guys, it's been a great, great semester. Steve, thank you for being the kind of the ending of our semester, but God has taught us so much. And if you've missed any weeks in this semester, go back and watch the podcast. Uh, I was talking to Tim Burke, and, you know, he's talking about how you guys are spreading the podcast around and just what a difference it makes. And so it's an op awesome opportunity for us. So you can go and, as Thomas mentioned, the Rewind, and there'll be information in there about 413 Strong. Uh, but also share it with a friend. Send that out to other guys. And then go back and look at some of these podcasts. We'll have a brand new website launching this summer. And then also this summer we'll have monthly podcasts. So you can keep up with what's going on and just as we continue to grow as men, as we grow as spiritual leaders. So, Thomas, great job this year. Thank you as our host. Oh, you're the best, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been a great, great time. So thanks again, Steve. Thank you. You guys have a great day. God bless. Thank you.